Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Working Title with Keyshawn Rains. This is your host. Today's guest is someone who literally every time that I think about her, I smile. And that's a big deal for me. And the reason why is because anytime that I am in her presence, whether it is in person, via text, or even over the phone, her energy just lightens my day. We met several years ago and found many things in common, including our practice of Buddhism. And what I love most about today's guest is that they stand so firmly in who they are, what they stand for, what they're about, and their creative content reflects just that. A couple of years ago, I was invited to a launch event that they were a part of, and when I arrived there, I wasn't really sure what I was walking into, only to discover that they are the co-founder of one of the first LGBTQ-centered streaming networks for film and television. That's a big deal. Needless to say, I am extremely proud, I am extremely excited, and extremely privileged to be able to share space with this person, to know them, and to call them friend. So before I tell you any more about how amazing this person is, I am going to let you in on my conversation with the one and only LaShawn McGee. So sit back, get comfortable, take a couple of long, deep, cleansing breaths, and get ready for another conversation. Hello there. Hey. How are you? I'm good. This is a great piece of tech you got going on here. Isn't it like the coolest shit? Like, <laughs> like wow. And coming from okay. you, I know you can like truly appreciate, you know, what do you, what would I what I'm saying? You can truly appreciate the fullness of an accurate, user friendly, simple design when it comes to an app. Because yeah, yeah, there's it has all of the features, and because we we've looked into going to other platforms and other hosting hosting ideas, but like wow, that's okay yeah it's um what i like about this particular because of course there's a bajillion you know apps out there and there's probably like maybe 10 that um that people can use to be able to record and create podcasts what i like about this one is this feature for one the fact that i can literally record with anybody from anywhere as long as they have either an ipad i mean you know a phone a tablet or a computer um there's the editing feature is built into the app as well. So unlike other apps where I might have to like download the audio, put it into GarageBand or what some other audio, um, you know, editing program and bring it back, everything can happen on here. So I could technically record, edit, publish the podcast all for my iPhone and not have to use like any other device. So I'm excited about it also because they just incorporated um, like a monetization feature where, you know, as your podcast starts to grow in traction, you can actually do ads and insert ads into your podcast if you want. But what's cool is that if you don't want any ads, if you don't even want ads from Anchor 
unless it shows up at the last 15 seconds after your podcast is done, then you don't have to, you don't have to have their logo on your, you know, your, your logo, everything is like very personalized. So of course my financial mind is like, how are you guys making any money off this app? <laughs> Cause the app is free. So I'm grateful for it though. <laughs> Adver- advertisers is a very interesting, interesting thing because they will give you an amount of money because you're, you have the reach. For them, it's about impressions a lot of the time. Mm. So it's not so much that like, I don't, and I don't know whether they get brand awareness. Some of it's brand awareness. Some of it's like, like, I guess they have, have a certain amount of money to spend in certain areas. And so they just like, they can choose, oh yeah, you know, I can put it on a podcast. They have a reach of like 50 million. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And then I guess also when people are doing ads on podcasts, it's the, I mean, I remember learning about this way back when I took like an economics class way back when, and like we touched on marketing and like the endorsement factor that comes from a podcast that if you have, mm-hmm. you know, listeners that are, you know, committed and, you know, consistent and you as the podcast host endorse a specific product or brand, the likelihood of someone taking that, you know, discount code and going and buying something that they may never have even considered buying, they will because you said so. Versus just like a random ad that shows up like in their Instagram feed or something. So, yeah. So anyway, well, I'm glad you like it. And I'm glad that it was simple to use because that is like the most important thing for me is for people to be able to jump on here and um, feel comfortable, you know, as as they would in their own space. Um, I have not yet recorded a podcast like in an official studio setting, but I can just imagine that it creates a different vibe um, versus just, you know, sitting on your couch or wherever you happen to be <laughs> enjoying enjoying a cup of coffee or something while while recording this so I exactly yeah so um well before we dive in uh I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners um tell us your name and where you're from and what you stand for okay um my name is LaShawn McGee and I was born in San Diego, but grew up in Arlington, Virginia. Um, and I stand for unique storytelling from the queer community because we need a space and we need kind of in a way permission mm. because we have not been allowed to tell our stories in a u- unique way like kind of throughout history. Mm. We're, we're really starting to be able to get into spaces where we can actually be authentic and be ourselves and have the real conversations that we're having at home for a global audience. Mm. And I support the movement of that type of storytelling. Mm. I like that. Why do you think that is that we're starting to carve out those spaces now? Why do you think it's important now? Um, I'm trying to, it's, it's kind of like almost the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement. And really, to be honest, Oscar So White is, is really a tipping point mm-hmm. for, hey, there are other people in the world. Yes. There, there, are, there are women, there are, there are people of color, there are LGBTQIA people. We have stories too. We're equally as talented as everyone else out here. 
let's open this door because mm-hmm. the gatekeeper situation it isn't working for any of us mm-hmm. so and it's also causing all of these other problems mm-hmm. so once that door opened the work that people had already been doing on the ground and the grassroots that stuff is starting to come through mm. because people have been storytelling. And I mean, there, there are plenty of, you know, queer festivals or podcasts or other things mm. that, that cater to the community. But now because this not equality, that's not the right word. Okay. <laughs> this inclusion moment mm-hmm. is happening. I'm hoping it's a movement and not a moment mm. because we want to continue to have diverse stories told in general, and then especially to be able to have diverse stories told from a queer perspective. Right, right. What do you think would be the, I guess, what do you think that you can, you know, identify in your own experience as an observer of this movement? What was one of the biggest moments that stood out to you when you felt like these stories were starting to actually find their way into the spotlight? Well, I mean, it's to me the the obvious the one is is pose. Mm. Um, pose is just has is something for the community. I mean, so so refreshing, so authentically told from a perspective that that community is going to tell you, okay, this is what it's always been. And you know, everybody else is like, oh my god, this is so like. But if you haven't heard that side of any of the stories before, you wouldn't know that that gives away for a show like Euphoria, which is completely counterculture mm-hmm. um and it also is my my personal kind of coming coming to this moment is is a little different mm-hmm. because there was a conversation around the help and people were up in arms about the help mm-hmm. and they were like you know it's you know that's not how the story goes and the great white hope movies mm-hmm. and, da, 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 da. and i'm like you know we live in a time everybody that like Where's your book? Yeah. Where's your story? Where's your series? Where's your podcast? Where's your essay? Mm-hmm. Where's your, you know, your, where's your contribution to all of this that you feel as though is not being told properly? Like, honestly, if you don't see yourself represented at this point, you need to create your own space and you need to make mm-hmm. that happen. Right. And, and then I had the opportunity for Reverie and I was like, oh, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> Oh, okay. I guess I have to like actually embrace that myself too, right? Right. Okay. Right. Got it. Right. Okay. So, so, so yeah. So I got to like, actually walk the walk is what you're saying. Walk the talk and do it. Okay. What is, yeah. tell us a little bit about Reverie. What is that? So Reverie is um, back in 2015, in the fall of 2015, when Apple makes its big announcement about what it's going to do prior to that version mm-hmm. of that release of Apple TV, Apple was the only company that could make an app and put it on Apple to be used by the consuming public. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we bought the app, uh, my friend Damien said, hey, you know, there's nothing gay, bi, transgender, nothing on here. No lesbian content, no, no content for queer people or for, for the community. We should build one. Mm-hmm. There it is. So we sat down in November brainstormed on on how to do it had incorporated by december by march of that next year we had six versions of a beta and we had launched in um june of that of 2016 Mm -hmm. 
with with content with with um kind of the stuff that you, that you could find a little bit more easily or relationships that we had with filmmakers right. and just trying to put together a space where you could go to see com- content mm-hmm. that that resonated with you right right so this would be like for for those who don't know or haven't experienced reverie this would be what i tell people i'm like it's like the gay hulu the gay Netflix except I mean and it's in growing in that direction and not to say that it's excluding anybody else but it's definitely a place that I find as far as what's available you know um, for content that I can consume media that I can consume that is specifically targeting and targeting the the queer community as a member of the queer community you know what I mean versus like when media or other content is created that's geared towards a queer audience, but it's not necessarily cultivated and curated and created by a queer, you know, team, then it, it digests a little differently. You know what I mean? And um, I remember last year um, getting to come to a special event that Reverie was a part of, and there was like, you know, filmmakers there and actors there and, you know, presentations made and awards and everything. And I was just like, this is the coolest shit ever. I'd never experienced anything like that where everywhere I was looking around, I was seeing all facets of the spectrum, the queer spectrum represented as creators. And that was a really, it was a really moving moment for me because I was able to see how much one reverie had grown because I remember coming to like a launch event when it first started and was like, wow, this is going to be so cool. And then like years go by and I'm like, wow, this is actually very cool, you know? And I'm, I'm excited to see the direction that it's going because I agree. I, I hope that this is a movement and not a moment. I hope that what's happening right now, as far as the way that, the queer community is being seen and is being represented and, and is having the space to be able to tell our stories that it continues to be the norm, you know what I mean? As opposed to just a blip on the radar. And sometimes it feels like there's waves where for lack of a better word, a minority group, you know, gets to be in the spotlight. It's like, okay, well here's the black folks and now here's the women and Here's the queer people. Wait, let's not forget the the Asian folks and let's not forget these people. Now we're focusing on Africans. Like in the media world, specifically in media and entertainment, do you find that there are these trends that focus on underrepresented people? And if so, what do you think is the driving force behind them? Um the gatekeeper scenario i think is still very much in play okay the people who who run broadcasts and the people who run studios and networks they understand that things are happening they understand that like one of the comments that people make um sometimes is the, the streets are talking mm-hmm. the street well the streets are talking they're saying something i think that now that all this stuff is happening we need to be paying attention mm. okay so you see it trickling into different places that you wouldn't have seen it before like okay so Vita is in its going into its fourth season, I think, uh-huh. third or fourth season, mm-hmm. and it's the only show of its kind. Mm. So <laughs> that speaks directly to your comment about like the fact that okay, we did it. Yeah, 
We have we, we did. have a show. We have a show. <laughs> we have a show that's that's inclusive. That's that that that's for Latinx people and, and, and we did it. Everyone's good now, we right? Did. Yes, we check it off the list. <laughs> right. We we across the board, across all the networks, across all of the films can check it off the board. Because right. of course there can only be one. Of course. However, yeah. there are <laughs> six shows right now mm-hmm. about emergency rooms. Uh, and probably growing. I mean emergency rooms not to exclude the EMTs, which includes all the emergency on the spot, and that also includes firefighters. We'll just say there are several shows about first responders, is what I like to call them, on the streets and in the hospital environment. Yes. <laughs> Both narrative and reality-based versions. Correct. Yes. But we have one, one. Vita. And one pose. One. Euphoria is something completely different. I mean, we have Killing Eve and they're jumping up and down. Like, we have done the damn thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you've done something. You've done something. And I think, and I I agree, it's it's this idea that, like you said, the gatekeepers. And for those who don't know what that means, give us your best definition of what a gatekeeper in the media industry is and what that looks like. It's... The fact that, okay, so someone, if you have a story, mm-hmm. and let's just say I have a finished script, mm-hmm. and I take it to Paramount, Paramount and executives at Paramount would be the gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. They get to decide if my story is worth telling, if I should be the person to tell it, if, if it will make money for them. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, I get it. The world is driven by money. People can't spend and not necessarily see a return. Mm-hmm. I get that. I'm not, I'm not begrudging capitalism. I'm not necessarily anti-capitalism. However, mm-hmm. you need to also balance as a, as a network, as a studio, as a, an organization that distributes content information, you need to balance what is right along with what makes money. Right. And so you take your script and Paramount says, well, there's already a pose. Why do I need to make your show? Right. So that's kind of the, the, the gatekeeper situation. Is, mm-hmm. but, but what Me Too and Time's Up have done is say, you know what? We got an Issa Rae. Issa Rae can write her own ticket. Right. We got Alina Waits. Right. She can write her own ticket. Right. We have Ava DuVernay. She can write her own ticket. I mean, among many, many other people who are writing their own ticket and... People who are in positions like mine or people who are in, I don't want to say authority, but people mm-hmm. who are in the position to hire mm-hmm. are hiring okay. and they're looking and they're like, Hey, come on. Mm-hmm. You ready? Mm-hmm. Come on. I'm holding the door. Come We trying to get as many people mm-hmm. through the door. Because if you notice people in Issa Rae's camp and people that have worked with Lena Waithe are also getting spinoffs and getting other shows and getting other deals made. Mm-hmm. So, so now, like, the Black Lady Sketch Show just came out. Yeah. I remember Robin Thede way back when, when they were doing what I could best call, like, run-throughs of sketches with her and Nefertari Spencer and Angela Yarborough. And they had this all-women comedy, sketch comedy troupe called Delta Force 3. And they did pop-up shows at like the Regency and Lamert Park but I remember them doing these little like gatherings at an apartment in North Hollywood and this was over 10 years ago and just being like you guys are funny as shit oh my god and then fast forward to today 
and they're doing the damn thing. And, you know, Neff is doing her thing and Rob is doing her thing. And what's cool is um, for me to kind of have had the, the opportunity to just kind of be a compassionate witness behind the scenes, even with Lena Waithe, you know, behind the scenes of seeing when things were first budding. And I think that what I encourage people who are creators to do is don't give up, be consistent, be relentless when it comes to pursuing your goals and your dreams, because sometimes that gatekeeper scenario that we all know is present specifically in media and, but really in every industry, there's some form of gatekeeper, but in the media industry in particular, it seems to be almost an unsurmountable task to be able to get beyond the gatekeeper. But I know as I've watched different people, yourself included, make these moves and put themselves in these positions of opportunity is what I like. Like you said, instead of maybe authority, I'm in a position of opportunity, which means I can create opportunities for other people. When you find yourself in those spaces to maintain that sense of humility and that sense of grounding that says, let me reach back and hold the door open for someone else. And I think that's really important because a lot of times when you're, when you're in the trenches, you know, and you're at the very budding stages, like I would consider myself to be at the very like infantile stages of developing a media presence with this podcast and then starting to, you know, pour some energy into a consistently thriving YouTube, you know, channel. I find that sometimes in groups and circles that I'm a part of the question of like, well, what makes me different? How do I know that I'm different? There's already else somebody, there's already somebody else out there doing this thing. How is mine going to be special? How is mine going to be different? Like you mentioned, if someone wants to create, you know, a scripted project, how do they know that what they have is unique? If there's so many other things out there that are already like it, when you're looking at someone coming through that door, what do you look for to stand out when people bring you content? I mean, I look for a story that's told well. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, like, let, let, let's be real and transparent about a lot of things. Let's do that. So, yes, I love that. So, <laughs> well, okay, so one of my comments was when, when I was, like I said, the help conversation is literally like the start of all of this for me. Okay. And somebody was like, well, not everybody has money. And I'm like, but ev- just about everybody has a phone or access to a phone. And most phones have cameras and most phones shoot video. And somebody was making the comment that, like, not everybody can even afford a phone. Mm. And I thought, hmm, I'm going to have to slow down and think about that fact for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So when you ask, what do I look for when it comes to content? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we love things with production value because we're trying to present something to a global, a for us, by us, presented to a global market so that if the story is good, you'll watch regardless of whether or not you're part of the community. Right. But if your story is told well, if there's something in your story that is told well, if it's from a unique perspective, your, your, everybody's life isn't the same. And they, people have similarities, but there are a lot of differences. And it's those unique characteristics within your story that resonate with people, even when some of the quality isn't as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you make that. Right. Because making teaches you how to make it better. Right. So make it because we can look at things and say, okay, I see a story there. Mm -hmm. 
as I mean, as I grow as a filmmaker, as I go as grow as a content producer and, and, and programmer and things like that, I'm going to be able to and, and freed up to potentially like I want to use the word mentor and mm. I don't necessarily want to use the word mentor okay. because what what I want to be able to do and, and, and Reverie will be able to do this as well mm-hmm. to be able to say, OK, I see I see a talent here. We're going to help develop talent. Okay. There's some things moving behind the scenes that I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about mm-hmm. that will also help that process mm-hmm. because, because there's, there, it has been a changing of the guard as far as some of the larger LB, LGBTQ organizations and content related organizations. Um, it, there have been a lot of changes for the better. Mm-hmm. So development is possible. Right. So make your story. Yeah. If, if it's on a phone, that's fine. Right. There are plenty of tutorials out there to teach you how to make things. Right. You have to jump out there and do it. Absolutely. I agree. And I... And- time for a break. Time for a breather. One thing that we often forget to do as we move throughout our lives, throughout our day, is to breathe. So I invite you right now to allow three deep, intentional breaths to enter and exit your body. And by the time you're done, we will be ready to continue. Thank you so much for listening. For people, and I just posted like a two minute, you know, IGTV thing about this today, talking about the importance of building a team. And because every, every thriving entity, whether it's a public figure, a production company, a freaking studio, a corporation, whatever it is, the ones that thrive the most thrive because of the quality of their team. And a lot of times I notice that people feel like, well, I have to do this alone. And if I share my idea with someone, they're going to steal it. Or if I don't have, like you said, the, the accessibility to be able to get the best camera and the best editing program and the best phone or whatever, then I can't do it or I won't do it. And what I encourage people to do in those situations is to build a team, you know, is to really be intentional about selecting specific people that you know that have skills that maybe you don't have have, um, you know, resources that maybe you don't have and that you can bring something to the table. Because like you said, when someone brings something to, you know, a programmer or a producer and is like, hey, I want to do this thing, here's my project. And maybe I didn't film it on an iPhone, you know, 10 Max. I didn't shoot it on a Samsung, whatever they make. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't film it with the most high quality, you know, cinematic camera, but I do have something real and I'm, and I'm passionate about it. And look, these are the people that I'm working with to be able to build something. I think it speaks to the character of the person. And I think a lot of times when people don't get invited to that table, when they don't get through that door, when they don't get that meeting, is because I really feel it's because they're not hungry. They're not ready. And I think that there is a certain amount of grooming and mentorship that I think could benefit people that are really just looking for like, I don't even know where to begin. 
you know, like I, I joined this um, private Facebook group that's run by black women who are present on YouTube that are actually looking to be able to build, you know, some traction through that particular platform. And what's cool about being a part of this little Facebook group is that everybody in the group is at a different level. Some people have, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers and tons of traction. Other people are just starting out. And what's great is that people are willing to share their experiences, share their pitfalls and their peaks, share their tools so that everybody can win, so that everybody can eat. Do you find that in your industry, in the role that you're in, what you've witnessed, do you find that that same mentality continues to exist? The for us, by us mentality and the everybody can eat mentality. Do you think that continues to exist once people reach, I guess, a different level, you know, once they elevate? Or do you think that changes? That's an interesting thing because, okay, so... From the comments that have been made about John Singleton, I would say yes. Okay. And I'm using him as an, as an example because he's kind of unique as an African-American person, mm-hmm. as a person of color. Mm-hmm. Like, like, or was. I mean, I, I realize he, he's passed away. Right. But it's, I, I think that when you look at the comments that are made by people of color about him, as far as content creation and stuff like that is concerned, mm-hmm. I think that yes. I also think that we're we as a community are beginning to understand and and really experience because of this outward surgence of of racism that we're going to have to do for us by us. Right. And we're going to have to continue to bring people along and and because we're going like literally so so between the 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 surgence of 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 like overt racism mm-hmm. and Something happened with Nipsey Hussle dying. Yes, it did. Changing, and I mean, I mean, and I, it's ironic. My the, the irony for me is that, like, okay, so I mean, kind of knew some songs, hadn't seen as many of the like videos of him like talking about different things mm-hmm. prior to him dying. But I went to on on the run too, and he they they brought in like West Coast people for the LA show. Mm-hmm. So he comes up on stage and I'm like, oh my God, he is like the coolest dude ever. Mm. He was the only one. He came out kind of joking with the crowd. Like he just, there was literally something about him that was just totally different. Mm -hmm. So when he, when he was killed, I was like, okay, he's a seed. Mm -hmm. He's a seed. And it's, it's a hard loss to have for, for a lot of the community. But honestly, what has happened since is different. The ripples and the waves and the way that we're paying attention to one another mm-hmm. and, and a little bit looking out for each other in, in a different way than we were before. Right. It's beneficial. Right. I agree. I completely agree. And I, I too, you know, I'm from LA, well, Inglewood by way of Los Angeles, by way of Long Beach, by way of the high desert, by way of Inglewood, by way of Long Beach again. Uh, I am definitely, I'm from LA. My grandmother, you know, lives around the corner from, you know, the marathon store. And I remember always being aware of his presence. You know what I mean? Never having the opportunity or privilege to meet him in the physical, but always being aware of his presence while I was in Los Angeles. And when he, same, when he was killed, I felt it felt it you know what I mean and not to say that I didn't feel 
you know, like, oh, man, that sucks when other people have been killed or murdered. And unfortunately, there's been so many. But like you said, something in me felt that same thing. Like, okay, y'all. So you paying attention? You ready to do something different? You ready to try a different approach? Because if nothing else, you know, watching the videos and like you said, seeing this flood of media that wasn't necessarily new content, you know, it wasn't new conversations of his, he's been, he had had that same message for the duration of his, you know, his physical presence. As long as he was in the public eye, his message has been the same. And I think that, like you said, when, when he passed and it, you know, these videos were flooding social media, you couldn't not see it. You know what I mean? You could not hear it. So once that seed was planted, Everyone who was willing to be able to nurture that part of him, nurture that part of themselves, everyone who was willing to take another look at themselves and say, what can I be doing differently? How can I actually make an impact? I think it did definitely create a new vibration for black people in particular, you know, for, you know, underserved people in particular, for people who, you know, didn't necessarily come from wealthy beginnings to really say, okay, maybe I can do something. Maybe I can make a difference. And like you said earlier, asking, what is my contribution? What am I actually doing? And what am I doing that actually counts? Because I can only imagine the writing rooms for shows like Pose when, those creators were putting themselves together and saying, we're going to do this shit. We're going to do it. And I don't know exactly what people are going to think about it, but we have to, it's a must. And I think that when it comes to creating great content or really good stories, like you said, a really good story is a story that has to be told. You know what I mean? It's not one that you could pass over. And I think that's why those stories are so impactful, especially if it's a story that's being told about, a community of people that from the outside, I find a lot of people are very curious about the queer community, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily willing to step inside and be a part of it, even as an ally. And uh, I found that this year in particular, something that stood out to me that you said earlier about movement versus a moment was pride. Is it just me? Or did you notice that pride was like, the thing to celebrate from June to July of this year. Did you notice any differences in the way that this world was, was, I guess, honoring the queer community different from the way they had done even a year ago? I mean, I, I fall on both sides of this argument where it's like every brand around the country, around the world was like, we are gay in June, honey, let's get the flags out. Let's, if I got a, if we have a rainbow looking t-shirt in the back of the store somewhere, will you put that on the mannequin out front? Like literally mm-hmm. the Uber app, the little line was, was the rainbow flag. And so everything is gay. We had a gay old time in June. And, and then it's like, okay, I get the corporatization of, of, of these things also where it's like, but there are 11 months out of the year. Mm. So while I do appreciate your willingness to participate in pride because it's the 50th anniversary of Stonewall and because there's so much happening in the world. And like I said, the streets are talking. So you've heard things and you're now paying attention. I'm at the airport 
mm-hmm. and was it United or Delta mm-hmm. that also is was participating in Pride and like I think it was United, mm-hmm. but they've got like. Laverne Cox on an ad and they've got on their major billboards going through the airport. We've got like this thing for this drag show that's sponsored by and I'm like okay. Mm. Where are y'all? All <laughs> the rest of the year. Rest of the year. Yeah. Of the year. Yeah. And and so it's like it's like okay. I can give people the benefit of the doubt if because okay, so the way that the we work with Lexus. Okay. And so what happens with a lot of the agencies is their budgets are decided at a certain point of the year. Mm-hmm. They usually pre-allocate and decide where money will be spent. And then they connect with whoever it is that's going to get them to those, that demographic of people. Okay. So... I get that your budget may have only allowed you to do a stellar or do whatever for pride. And like for the rest of the 11 months of the year, you don't have a budget for anything that's LGBTQ. Mm, I see. But it's also the fact that you've never really paid attention to this community before. So of course you don't have a budget that's for any other month of the year. Right. But that's the part that would need to change. And that's the part where we as a community need to hold the people to task because Mm -hmm. we need to go back to people that we have never seen celebrate the community before. Right. So, I mean, we've seen Delta do it. We've seen Macy's do it. Lexus definitely does it. Like there are companies that, that do all year round, Mm -hmm. but for the companies, and I don't have any specifics right now, Mm -hmm. but for the companies that you never see anything from in November, (laughs) go back and say, well, Hey, Remember okay. us? It's okay. Yeah. Still here. Hi. So, <laughs> so queer. Yeah. We don't, it's not like Groundhog Day. We don't come out for the month of June and then go back into our caves until the following right. year. That's not how it works. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I think there's a level of accountability that, um, that we as the queer community are kind of like have the duty of making sure that organizations, even the smallest organizations, because that, you know, I'm, Interestingly enough, I'm in the Virginia area moments from Arlington, which is so bizarre for me to think about that I'm here and you're there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, just, just like it tickles me when I was thinking about it this morning. But like even some small businesses out here had like, you know, the little pride flag in their window or like you said, putting rainbow-esque, you know, a wardrobe onto the mannequins and, and their storefronts. And if I go back there now, I wonder, you know what I mean? What the experience would be like and if I would still be received in the same way. Because I think that you touched on something earlier where you said inclusion versus equality. And I think that what I'm seeing in media right now is a sense of inclusion. Um, I know like my partner loves Pose. I will say, admittedly being transparent, I did not watch the first season until it was on Netflix. And when I watched it and I didn't watch it mainly because I didn't have cable uh last year and so I couldn't necessarily watch it and I didn't I would see things about it on social media but I wasn't really like is that something I'm gonna get into I'm not really sure I saw it on Netflix and she's like okay are you gonna watch Pose with me this season because you're gonna be like the only queer person who's not watching it otherwise so I was like (laughs) okay peer pressure okay peer pressure okay don't shame me for not being Pose oriented and i watched the first season kind of like binge watched it over like you know a weekend 
And I really enjoyed it. And I can honestly say that what touched me most about it was that I had never seen any media presented in such a way that really felt like it was taking a peek into specifically oh I haven't heard that bark in a while (laughs) he shouldn't be barking he's like yes I can I am a part of this experience you will not exclude me no (laughs) um no but I had never seen any any show quite like it that really gave me even as a member of the queer community insight to certain elements of the trans experience specifically back in the 80s you know what I mean specifically during the height of the AIDS epidemic and yeah I really enjoy that and I think what what I'm excited about is that like the queer community like the gay community lesbian transgendered that we're now almost unignorable you have to see us we are everywhere and it yeah. kind of makes me feel pretty powerful I actually really like it <laughs> so I'm grateful for shows like that I'm grateful for um, brands and companies and uh, platforms like Reverie. I'm excited that this is happening like in my, you know, lifetime and I'm excited to see where it's going to go. So I congratulate you for doing what you're doing and for the work that you're creating. I'm really happy about it. (laughs) Thank you. It is a labor of love. It's a lot of long nights and weekends and and what are weekends and (laughs) You know, like holidays, we celebrate. Is there holidays? (laughs) You know, looking at the staff, like y'all supposed to remind me that it's holiday. Holiday. We Um, ain't supposed to work every day, (laughs) y'all. Right? I encourage them to take lunch. What I do about lunch is fine. But like you should go have lunch. (laughs) You're like, because I will not feed you otherwise. (laughs) Well, no, but I mean, like I I encourage balance in others and encourage, you know, go to lunch and get outside and, you know, leave on time and do those things like that. That is that is what you're supposed to do at the level that you're on. Right. My responsibility is to make sure that we get this app to the world. Correct. Exactly. Make sure that it gets out there. Well, I'm going to switch gears a little bit before we wrap up. And um, something I like to do on the podcast is a little section called complete the sentence. So I'm going to give you some, you know, sentence starters and you complete them. Take up as much or as little space as you'd like. The first one is um, I am happiest when. When I'm creating something. Mm. I want my legacy to be. I want my legacy to be the ending of the word mainstream. Mm. Yeah. I got to sit with that one for a second. That's good. Mm. As long as there is a mainstream, Mm -hmm. everyone else will be other. Right. And if you're okay with that, then be other. I don't think I'm okay with being other. other. I check entirely too many boxes. (laughs) Right. Like, can I have another box? Is there another page I need to add? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. There, there are some based on the way that 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 sexuality and fluidity and and the non-binary are happening. That I'm sure that I have other boxes I haven't ticked yet. Right. But as long as there is a mainstream, everything else is other. Mm. I love that. That's so real. Because mainstream can be so exclusionary. 
and 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 who decides who is mainstream who decides who gets to be in that stream in that space you know in that in that box and the idea of the elimination of the concept of mainstream really is inviting the concept of unity you know and equality you know yeah. in a sense it can't we can't ever be equal as long as there is a mainstream even if we have you know the separate but equal mentality is not include it's not equality it's not equal it's still very exclusionary so i i love that that's a good one mm. okay if i could teach the world a lesson it would be at the end of the day we're all human and if we approach our interactions like that then we would have a lot more of this unity and quality and equality that we all actually desire. Right. I showed myself love today by. Hmm. Honestly, this cup of coffee is bringing me joy. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the simplicity of a good cup of coffee. Yes. My power word is. Hmm. One word? You could give me two or three if you must. It's okay. Oh. You're allowed. <laughs> I mean, the my power word is kind of more of a phrase. Like, oh, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a a paraphrasing quote by um, Esther Abraham Hicks, where she says, you're never going to get there. You're never going to arrive. Just keep going. And what the idea is that you're never going to get to a place in your life as long as you are living where you are done living. So even if you have goals, even if you have dreams, as you get to them, there's going to be more goals. There's going to be more dreams. There's going to be more things to unravel. As you tell your stories, there's going to be more stories to tell. So just keep, keep moving through them. So I love that. Just keep going. Very cool. So the last thing I like to offer on the podcast is um, a little reading from an Oracle deck that I'm working with. And it's called the Oracle of E for manifestation. And it is a deck of 52 cards. So you get to pick a number between one and 52. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because. Okay. Before you said the numbers, my brain said 52. Okay, great. Then that's the number. <laughs> you don't get to change it. <laughs> no, I, I, no I'm, and I'm good with that. Okay. Oh, this is cool. Okay. So the message on the card is hasta la vista, baby. Remember that song Queen Elsa sings in the Disney movie Frozen when she unleashes her magic? Well, if you didn't catch this animated flick, it's time to let it go. Walk away. And just like you never look back at the trash can when you leave it at the curb, don't give it a second glance. It's time for new beginnings, out with the old, and in with the new. Perfect. Lovely. Oh, it's so dope. Oh, man. This was awesome. I miss talking to you. I miss being around you. I'll, I'm telling you, my people in California, I feel, I feel the love and support that comes from everyone at home and I can't wait to be able to get back and just share space with you in the meantime I love being able to connect 
thank you so much for saying yes to being a part of this and for being patient with all the the calendaring and the scheduling as we are both busily pursuing our dreams and that makes me excited and um I'm just so grateful for you. I'm grateful for your presence in my life. I'm grateful for your, your practice. I'm still chanting. I know you're over there chanting as well. I'm sending you love and light and everything that you do. And just knowing that as you continue to be led by your heart, that everything that you create will be an example of the legacy that you're building. And I'm happy to be able to witness it. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, buddy. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Give that puppy some love. <laughs> I will. I'm going to take him out on a little walk. Good, good. And I'll be in touch with you soon. Okay, awesome. All right, peace. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. You have a choice of hundreds of podcasts, and I appreciate you for choosing this one. Please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review this podcast. If you like what you've heard, check out my first book, Because I Said So, Simple Ways to Rewrite Your Story, available on Amazon. Stay connected on social media. Find me at Keyshawn Rains. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to something different and experience something new. Peace and blessings. Namaste.